Hello and welcome to Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruits, you need the roots. So today we're joined for the second time by Alex Edmonds. He's and um, today we're going to talk about his new book, Grow the Pie: How Great Companies Can Deliver Both Purpose and Profit. This is part of the Oxford Literary Festival, and Alex has got a talk there. So we'll talk about how you can find out more about that at the end of the podcast. So today we're going to talk about. Why is it um, businesses need both a purpose and profit, and how great companies can deliver both of these, both profits and profit, um, both purpose and profit? So thank you, Alex, for joining us. Um, it's great to be back. Thanks. So, tell, so yeah, let's start off. So first of all, let's talk about purpose of a business, and yeah, essentially, why is a business? What, essentially, why is it in in business, and what is a purpose? And yeah, tell us more about the purpose of a business. Okay, I'll start by uh, defining purpose because purpose is a a word which is pretty cliched and overused, but sometimes people use it without actually knowing what it means. Um, so, how I would define purpose is it's the answer to the question: How is the world a better place by your company being here? It's the company's reason for being. It's the role it uh, plays in the world. It's it's why it exists. And um, importantly, a purpose is not to make profit. Instead, you make profit as a byproduct of serving your purpose. So let me just give you some examples. So if you're a toy company, how is the world a better place by your company being here? It could be because you're you're making toys which educate and at the same time entertain children. And if you do that really successfully, then as a byproduct, you're going to make a lot of money. You're a transport company. Your goal is just to connect people with families and friends and and, and jobs. As a byproduct of doing that, people will use your company and you'll be profitable. And maybe as a pharmaceuticals company, your goal is to significantly advance human health, and if you do that, then you'll become successful. So you might think, well, why should we have a purpose-driven approach rather than a profit-driven approach? That's because if you focus entirely on profits, yes, you will make investments, right? If you're a pharmaceuticals company, you will indeed try to develop drugs because they will be profitable in the future. But you will only make investments where there is a clear line of sight to profit, and that would lead you to only developing drugs that you could sell to wealthy people in developed countries. What the book talks about is the example of Merck, which chose to develop a drug to combat river blindness in Africa and Latin America. Now, that was something that could have never been justified from a profit motive. Because the people who suffered from river blindness were some of the poorest people in the world. They lived in houses made from mud. They wore skirts made from grass. But because Merck's priority was to advance human health, they developed this drug, even though there wasn't a way to monetize it. But importantly, as a byproduct of serving society, that then attracted many investors and employees to to join Merck because they thought. We, if we work for this company, we can make a difference from the world, and this just gave them a comparative advantage in terms of hiring the best employees. And as a result of doing that, they became profitable in the long term. So, do you think business has changed? So, the way I think of it, as it was always, a business was in, it was always there to make a profit. That was always number one. Whereas now we're talking about purpose. I, do you think it's changed? So, uh, Milton Freeman talks about he won a Nobel Prize, and a lot of policies were. Made on the back of his work, he always said that a business has to be, in, you know, there exist to make a profit. Has has it actually fundamentally changed? 
So I think that the fact that businesses need to make profit has, has not changed, and it's important to, to focus. Well, I guess I'm more that I'm thinking of is, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, has it's shifted now, I should say, right? where it's profits was number one. Now, do you think it's purpose is more important than profits? I don't think it's an either or thing. I think it's important to, to, to understand that companies can do both. And so, um, as I mentioned, as a byproduct of serving yeah. your purpose, you then become profitable. But it's important to stress that profit is an important function of a company. So nowadays, right, if you want to um, sell books or win votes, you'll say, ah, oh, we should care about climate change. We don't need to care about profit. That just goes to evil investors. But it's important to stress that like, investors are an important part of a, a society. We are all investors through our pensions. So we want to make sure that companies are profitable because that with, without profits, then pension funds won't get a return in order to deliver to their beneficiaries. But what people are now recognising is that the best way to pursue profits is not necessarily to pursue profits directly, but to pursue purpose and then view profits as a byproduct of that. And again, I like to use analogies. Let's, let's think about people. So maybe the listeners here will, will know people who will only help you if they get something in return. And um, that would be like a profit-centered approach where you do a calculation and only if we get a profit out of it, let's say I do a favor, only if I think you're gonna give me a favor in return, they're people with that approach. But there'll be other people in your life who just help you because that's the right thing to do and, and they're just generous people. And unexpectedly, maybe they will be repaid, be repaid later because um, when they end up calling for a favour, you're more willing to help them because they've just been, that uh, they're just more altruistic people. Now, they never calculated when they chose to help you that three years down the line, they would need a favour later, but actually all the goodwill that they've built up through being truly altruistic is repaid later. And indeed, this is what the book is about, is that companies that, end, that do start with society first, they do end up being more profitable because investing in stakeholders and workers and the environment and customers, that ultimately feeds back through to shareholders and delivers profits which still remain important now as they did in Milton Friedman's time. So that's that's really interesting. And I think I, I, I read uh, your article and which um, talks about in your book, there's a really good illustration that kind of made me think that, um, or it kind of cemented your, your point with the, the pie. So essentially um, there's a, two pictures of one, both society and profit and growing the pie. It's essentially, you can both benefit society and profits with a, a large, essentially growing the pie as the, as the title of the book suggests. But that, that illustrated the, the, having the actual, um, the, the illustration in front of him really kind of cemented the point that you were making. So I, th I thought that was really helpful for me. So let's, perhaps we, let's talk about tax. So the way, um, which don't switch off listeners, um, it's, uh, it's a super important topic. So the, one of the things that I think about, we talk about the, um, Ad, um, Adam Smith's free market um, and invisible hand. So I think of think how to change things. So you've got two ways to change it. So think of it like um, a boxer. You've got like the invisible hand is kind of the, um, the, the right hook and you've got kind of taxes in the kind of the left hand is a kind of the jabbing to kind of warm up. So you, to change things, I think you need both tax incentives to encourage businesses and to encourage people to um, act responsibly and you also need the, the market to actually have a product that people want to buy. What you so maybe explore tax and how that can improve purpose and profits as well. 
So the idea of, of growing the pie is that businesses should start with the idea of creating value for society. And then as a byproduct of doing that, um, profit is going to be higher. So growing the pie means creating more value and that value should go to both investors and society. Where tax is important, that's about the distribution of the pie. So it's not just sufficient for companies to rise in value if all of that value goes to investors and those who are executives. So while the first priority of a business is to be successful and profitable and to grow the pie, the priority of governments through the tax scheme is to ensure that the, the benefits are distributed fairly. Because in the absence of tax, they might not be distributed fairly. Why? Because what's changed over the last few decades is, is globalisation. And what globalisation has led to is that anything scalable is now really profitable. So why are CEOs paid much more now than they were 30 years ago? Uh, it's because if you're a great CEO, your impact on a company is huge because companies now operate in many countries around the world, whereas previously you might have only been the CEO of a domestic company within the UK. Now, some people think we need to respond to that by capping the pay of a CEO to make sure there's greater fairness. I don't think that's the right way to go about it. Why? The high pay of CEOs is not confined to CEOs, it expands to everybody who has something scalable. So let's take a footballer, for example. Let's take um, Harry Kane and compare him to Pele. Now, even the greatest uh, Spurs fan would probably not say that Harry Kane is more talented than Pele. But why does Harry Kane get paid so much? Because football is a global marketplace. So if Harry Kane scores more goals and Spurs get into the Champions League or win the Champions League, that's something with a, a huge effect because we now have global TV rights and there's replica merchandise. Let's think J.K. Rowling versus Jane Austen. No one would argue that J.K. Rowling is, is, is a bad an author, but she can now monetize her books because of a global marketplace and you can convert them into films. So what this says is that the way to address income inequality needs to be systematic. It shouldn't be confined just to CEOs, even though it's politically popular to bash CEOs, but should expand to any high incomes which have been um, inflated due to the scalability and due to globalisation. And so that's why I do believe there is a role for higher taxes for very large incomes, and that's a way in which governments will ensure that the benefits of high growth are then redistributed fairly across different elements of society. That's really interesting. The, the way I think of it with tax, I was thinking cigarettes. So cigarettes are obviously really bad for people. We all know that the evidence is quite clear. Whereas today, a pack of cigarettes is, I don't know, like £10 is it these days? So um, the government, what they did, put tax on cigarettes to discourage people from smoking because it obviously causes cancer, all their bad things. Whereas tax can do a similar thing. So tax can both incentivize and disincentivize people from buying things. So by there's a sugar tax has come in now, obviously sugar's been proven to be really bad for your teeth and lead to obesity. So the government can introduce tax to actually discourage people from doing things. So what we can do in the future is to actually look at businesses and work out, are is this business solving meaningful problems? And if it's not, then we as people, as voters, we can actually say, well, why don't we tax companies that are doing bad and in incentivize co companies that are doing well? So just to clarify with tax, tax is, a, I think, is a good thing. It provides schools, hospitals, roads, and it, you know, it can lay the foundations for other entrepreneurs. So think of it, universities providing research and also um, so look at 
essentially iPhone was created from different products that um, that we built in university. So think of GPS system or some of the um, other, other uses inside the iPhone was actually created using research was paid by the tax dollar or tax pound. So I, I think if it's so. What are your thoughts? Maybe I've gone off on a, a, ta a tangent here, but no, I yeah. think this is an important point. So, so here, what we, we've just talked about is, is taxes now for efficiency reasons rather than distribution reasons. So, when I talked about income tax earlier, that was about the distribution of the pie. Whereas now, you're talking about taxes to provide incentive for socially desirable activities. So, what we've talked about, um, implicit in what your question was, was externalities, stuff that has impact on wider society. Where if you didn't have the tax scheme, people would ignore that. For example, if you are to pollute, right, you don't care about your carbon emissions. So taxing carbon emissions is a way to go about things. Similarly, as you talked about cigarettes, that has negative impacts on, say, the health service. Let's tax that. Now, I do think taxes do have a role in improving efficiency and nudging people towards correct decisions. However, I think that there is a limit to the effectiveness of tax in that the repurposing of business needs to be done from a pure heart change, it needs to be intrinsic, rather than something that companies want to do in order to just avoid tax or, or get a tax subsidy. So one example of this is that within um, Oregon in the United States, they now have a tax, which means businesses are penalised if they have a ratio of the CEO pay to the workers pay being more than 100. And in fact, if it's, I think, more than 200, you get even more of a tax. Now that is to try to encourage CEOs to treat their workers better by paying them more to reduce the pay ratio. But that tax has a lot of unintended consequences because if your goal was to minimise tax, right, you just pay your workers more in terms of salary, but you give them fewer holidays or you spend less on on-the-job training, you spend less on improving working conditions and free gyms and so forth, or you might fire the lowest paid workers. So whenever there is a tax incentive to do something, you have many ways in which you can manipulate the scheme. That's why there's huge um, industry in, in, in tax avoidance and how to play the, the tax scheme. Instead, I think a better way of encouraging businesses to be more purposeful is to show that it's in their own interest. And indeed, a lot of my work, and that's why I wanted to write the book, is to show that companies that treat their workers better, they do better in the long term in terms of uh, financial returns. And so let's go back to another government scheme. So how does government try to get people to eat more fruit and vegetables? It's not by giving you a tax if you don't eat enough, but saying, well, here's the research, as it's good for you. Are we recommend that you eat five portions a day? And I do think that these more intrinsic mechanisms have a part to play in addition to the more heavy-handed of tax. Tax is good where you can measure something and it's clear, so carbon emissions or using cigarettes, that's good. But if we're trying to use taxes to encourage people to treat their workers better, that's more difficult because treating your workers well goes far beyond how much you pay them. It involves on-the-job training and flexi-time working conditions and, and many other things, and that's where, where taxes will be a, a little bit less effective. That's fascinating. I think one of the things, just to add on from that, I think what you one of the things that I thought was really interesting where you talk about nudging people into making decisions so and the fruit and veg example is brilliant um, so I think to, I, there was a there's an author I can't remember his name but he Richard Thaler ah that's the one yes I think he won a Nobel Prize but it essentially nudge theory where or essentially the way I think of it to 
he I think he uses a fruit and veg example. So if school kids are, uh, um, go to lunch, it's better to um, put apples and bananas at eye level for kids because they're more likely to pick it up yep. and eat them rather than having sweets and chocolate at eye level because they're more likely to see it and then they're more likely to eat it. So this nudging effect has become quite interesting. And we talked about, um, in the last episode, we talked about um, auto, um, the pension auto-enrolment, which is a form of nudging. So people necessarily wouldn't put money into the pension autom- um, themselves, but by making it automated, the employer has to do it. It almost nudges them to do good decisions, if that makes sense. What's your thoughts on that? And also, your, another great point you made that I just want to pick up on, where you talk about the intrinsic, um, the heart of the business, I think you said, which was, yeah, yeah, brilliant. I like that, um, the way you've, you worded that. But yeah, any, anything you want to add to that before you talk about your new book, um, Grow the Pie? Yeah, so going back to, to nudges, so, so I think here, what's really powerful as research shows is that the default option makes a big difference. So the, the power of nudges is that it means it, it still ha- gives freedom to the citizen and the consumer to do what they like, so you're not imposing rules, but you're just changing the default. So what you you mentioned, Neil, was um, one of Dick Thaler's famous experiments. If you have auto-enrolment in the pension scheme, there you're not restricting workers' rights because they could choose to opt out of the pension scheme, but by making the default decision being um, to be in the pension scheme, that actually has a large effect on savings behaviour. And there's another famous study looking at, well, how do you encourage organ donation, right? So if you're automatically in the organ donation programme and have to opt out, versus being automatically out and have to opt in, that has a huge effect on, on, on whether people will donate their organs. Now, we can't force everybody to want to donate their organs, and so the, the, the nudging idea doesn't prevent them from later opting out, but does have a large impact in this. And so this is why I, I, I think that even though people love to say, well, politicians regulate this and tax that, and politicians want to be seen to be doing something, I don't think this should necessarily in, interfere with, with individual freedom. So that's why I think that the, the nudge um, ideas are, are not just great ideas, but they have been proven to be successful uh, with some rigorous research. So Dick Thaler's done some great stuff within the UK. There's the Behavioural Insights team. So that was initially the nudge unit set up by David Cameron, has used these nudges to encourage pro-social behaviour. Fantastic. No, thank you for clarifying that. So just a couple of things that I wanted to um, extract from your article that you that you wrote is really interesting, where you're saying that business and society are seen as the enemy, they're kind of almost fighting each other, and a collaborative effort between business and society might perhaps um, improve things. Um, I, I would also like to say, with the, in terms of growing the pie, I was thinking of it as rather than kind of squabbling between the size of the piece of pie, build, let's think of building a bakery and creating more pies, and um, that we kind of know more, kind of more pies that we know what to do with it. I, I'm not from an academic background; I come from a business background. But there's a really interesting book um, called Tribes, and he talks about how essentially there's new needs that are created as we kind of. Um, he talks about a bakery and now it's he has a gluten-free bakery, a vegan bakery, and it produces pies that are essentially enjoyed by everyone, uh, more pies. So I thought that was kind of um, a, a quite nice um, example from a book in for the tribes. But yeah, I'm, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Let, let's talk about your, briefly, just um, your new book, Grow the Pie, How Great Companies Deliver Both um, Purpose and Profit and perhaps tell us about how they can find you, um, social media or 
if they can find your TED talk um, on um, is it on Amazon? Oh, sorry, YouTube. But yeah, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up? Sure. Let's just give a, a, a brief synopsis as to what the, the main thesis of the book is. So. Why did I choose to write this book to begin with? Um, as you would have heard, those of you who, who were on the prior pod, um, heard the prior podcast, we have this concern that capitalism is in crisis, that companies are focusing too much on profit at the expense of, of wider society, so wages are low, um, prices are high, and the environment is, is being ignored. So the idea of, 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 of that is what I call the pie-splitting mentality, which is the value that a company creates is given by a fixed pie, so any slice of the pie that you give to workers or customers is at the expense of profits. And that's indeed why companies will hold down wages or hike prices. They want to increase investors' share at the expense of society. But I believe that's a fundamentally bad way of running a business. So the idea of growing the pie is that actually when you invest in employees or you invest in customer loyalty or you're a better steward of the environment, you're not sacrificing profits, you're not giving up investor slice of the pie for other people, you're actually growing the pie, creating social value, and therefore companies are becoming more profitable as a result. So what this suggests is that we don't necessarily need regulation or taxes to get companies to be more purposeful, but actually we're showing that it's in companies' own interest to create value for society, which is why I did see over the past decade or so that there has been a shift that companies are now trying to take uh, purpose far more seriously. So the idea that both investors and society can benefit together is not a too-good-to-be-true pipe dream, it's backed up by large-scale evidence. So if this is a message that resonates, uh, you can find out more. So the book is obviously available on Amazon, Grow the Pie, how great companies deliver both purpose and profit. And it's underpinned by, by two, two TED or TEDx talks. One is called The Social Responsibility of Business. That was a TEDx talk you can find on YouTube about businesses' responsibility towards wider society. And the second is a main stage TED talk called what to trust in a post-truth world you can find either on youtube or the ted talk app which is on the power of large-scale data and evidence and so what's backing up the book is not just the coup too good to be true idea that everybody can benefit but the fact that evidence shows this so it is rigorous rather than just a pipe dream thank you so much Edith. and you're also talking at the oxford literary festival how would someone find you there as well yeah so if you just google alex edmonds oxford literary festival so this is the ft weekend oxford literary festival i'm going to be giving a, a talk about the book and very happy to, to sign copies because they'll they'll be um available at the uh, at the event as well so they'll be talking about the book and feel there's a large q a session so if people want to ask about how do i put this into practice or, or challenge me because i want to hear different viewpoints of people think well actually purpose isn't important and companies should focus exclusively on profit then i'd be happy to respond to those those challenges and those different viewpoints thank you so much for your time alex so um, please at home please like please subscribe and please tell one person even if it's your your friend or your your uh, mate you play football with yeah just say listen to millennial money mindset and yeah because it really helps me out with my viewings so again thanks alex and yeah if check those um or um check alex's book out on amazon thanks again cheers thanks very much neil